about uh, 20, 25 years ago, David and I had a vivacious golden retriever named Turkey. Turkey wasn't actually her given name. Her given name was Berserker, which means Scandinavian warrior. But saying, come here, Berserker, come here, you know, that gets old. So we shortened Berserker to Zerky, but that Z sound is still a mouthful. So ultimately, Zerky became Turkey, and that just seemed to fit her zany personality. So one Thanksgiving, 23 years ago or so, David was in the kitchen making a Thanksgiving feast complete with my grandma Miner's famous yeast roll recipe. Turkey was right there on the floor hoping, praying that some morsels of food would fall onto the ground as she was washed over by all of these smells. And David had, had uh, prepared the dough for the yeast rolls and put the dough in individual dollops on a cookie sheet so it could then start to rise, of course. And that's when it occurred to him he'd left something in the basement refrigerator. So he went down to the basement to get that, came back up, and the cookie sheet was gone. <laughs> he looked around, and it was on the other side of the center island, on the floor, and all of the dough had disappeared. Eighteen rising yeast rolls gone. Turkey had white yeast dust on her nose. Oh my goodness. She gobbled down in like a minute and 30 seconds 18 still rising uncooked yeast rolls now in her belly and we're thinking our puppy dog is literally going to explode as those as that dough rises and so we called the emergency vet and the emergency vet asked us some questions and and said well watch out for this 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 otherwise she'll probably pull through it but if this is and this happens rush her in thankfully we didn't have to rush her in although she was a bit sluggish <laughs> and seemed a little out of sorts the rest of the day. Oh my goodness, can you imagine? Some of us are old enough to remember that viral TV commercial that said, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. All of us can probably relate to and empathize with Turkey because the truth is in one form or fashion, we've all been there and done that. And I'm not just talking about food. We have all of these primal animal instincts in us that, that prompt us to do crazy things, embarrassing things, frustrating things, sometimes profoundly hurtful things. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 7:15, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. Instead, I do the very things that I hate. We are buffeted about by so many of these 
primitive, primal instincts that are built into the very fabric of these physical human bodies. I'm talking about things like anger, violence, words that wound that can never be taken back, greed, selfishness, gluttony, lust, drinking too much, lying, racism, my people versus your people, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, <laughs> cheering for the Dallas Cowboys. How low can we go? Is there any hope for us? Or are we just a bunch of animals destined to live out our days by nothing higher than primal instinct and impulse? That's our question for today. Let's start with a prayer. God, when we turn ourselves on autopilot, when we don't live intentionally, our animal instincts can easily drive us into a ditch and leave us feeling empty. There has to be a better way. Jesus, show us how to live on a higher plane. Show us how to live beautiful, meaningful lives. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So last week we began a sermon series called New Life in Christ. And we started by studying that gospel passage where Jesus says, you must be born again. In that passage, Jesus is drawing a clear distinction between being born in the flesh and being born in the Spirit. His point is that all of us need to be born twice. First, we are born in the flesh. When our mother's water broke and we were brought into this world as material creatures. And what is it that we call material creatures? We call them animals. We are material creatures and as material creatures we are born with all of these powerful animal instincts natural impulses and when left to ourselves we can end up being guided by those animal impulses put succinctly we can end up living by animals, living like animals, guided by nothing more than our primal instincts. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that these built-in instincts, that, that they're inherently bad, but without more, if that's all we've got, those primal instincts can end up creating a lot of destruction in our lives. I, uh, this la last Sunday it was, right before the early service, seven minutes before the service, my cell phone rang. It's unusual for my phone to ring then. It was a number I did not recognize. 
I thought, well, maybe it's somebody calling in to say, hey, I've got an assignment in church today and I can't make it. So I made the mistake of answering it. At the other end of the line was someone who shouted at me, if you don't do something, I'm going to kill him. I said, who is this? Anthony. Oh, not someone in our church, but an acquaintance of mine. He said again, if you don't do something, I'm going to kill him. And in the background, I heard his roommate raging with anger. I said, Anthony, I'm getting ready to go into church. I can't do anything. If you feel physically threatened, you need to call 911. That's what he did. The police came, apparently calmed things down because a couple hours later, I got a, am I misfiring? Disco. Oh, disco light unplugged. Thank you, Carissa. She, lo- she just did that for attention. She loves attention. <laughs> now, she, ha- she hates being in front of you. So I knew something serious was happening if she was coming up on stage. So two hours after this, I get a text from Anthony saying, everything's fine. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Anger can be such a powerfully destroy. These two roommates about to kill. They had to call the police. These primal animal instincts in us can drive us into a ditch so easily. And it's not just anger. There's lust. Years ago, in a pastoral counseling session, somebody told me about sleeping with his best friend's spouse and how guilty he was and how guilty that person he had slept with was and how devastating it would be if the best friend were to ever learn that. The sexual impulses God gives us are a gift, but unregulated, run amok, can create so much devastation in life. There's somebody that I admire greatly who fought a great battle to uh, to become sober from alcohol addiction and, and succeeded and, and was, was and is so passionate about that, went on to become a drug and alcohol counselor, helping many people achieve their sobriety. And a while back, somebody told me that that person has now lapsed back into addiction. And I don't judge that because, but for the grace of God, there go I. That may not be my issue, but we've all got our issues, those compulsions, those biological, environmental, psychological things that that take our basic animal impulses and exploit them in ways that can be so destructive in our lives. Even fear itself. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night? And and there's something about waking up in the middle of the night. Our defenses are down, right? And, And whatever great anxiety you're wrestling with in your life at that moment. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you sit up in bed and all of a sudden that fear, that anxiety, it's like it's there more powerfully than even in your waking hours. I mean, you can feel it. It's like its presence is in the room with you. Fear is an instinct that God has given us because sometimes it can save us. It can keep us out of trouble. But if that's all we've got, just instinct, Instinct can end up taking over, and we, our lives can run amok 
and become a mess. That's where today's scripture passage begins by reminding us that, that if we're just flesh and blood creatures living by the native instincts that we carry with us as flesh and blood creatures, if we've only been born once physically, if we've never experienced that second birth, we can never live into the fullness of life that God intends for us. That's where today's scripture passage begins. And, and that's what today's scripture passage reminds us of. Ephesians 2, 1 and following. You were dead through the trespasses and sins, misused animal instincts in which you once lived. All of us once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath. That captures it well, doesn't it? Raging, raging instincts within us. We were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. If all we are and when all we are is physical creatures, living by our physical instincts, it can feel like there's something dead inside us. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I wish I wouldn't do, things that I hate, those are the very things that I do. And we can end up with the Apostle Paul crying out, Oh, wretched creature that I am, who can rescue me from this body of death? What am I missing? Where is the rest of me? There must be something more. There must be something else. And the good news is, there is something else. Last week, in the gospel passage last week, John chapter 3, Jesus told us that the way God has designed us, God has put within each of our mortal bodies an immortal soul, a spirit. You're not just a physical creature. You are a spirit being. And Jesus also told us in John chapter 3, my paraphrase, but also taught us in John chapter 3, that just because that spirit has been put in you doesn't mean it's awake. Jesus teaches us in John chapter 3 that that eternal spirit that God has put in each one of us lies dormant within us until activated. A couple weeks ago, I decided to get a new car. Actually, it'd be more accurate to say, a couple weeks ago, David decided I needed a new car, and I just went along with him, right? He's crazy about cars. And, and by the way, it's not a new, new car. It's a new used car, so it's, it's new to me. So before, I was driving a 2014 Ford Flex, now, I am driving a 2019 Ford Flex. Because you know how much I hate change, right? 
And David knew I would never update my car unless it was the same model, operates the same way, nothing's changed. Although, in my defense, I will say I was driving a black Ford Flex, and now I'm driving a white Ford Flex. Look at me embracing change in my life, right? So I now have this new, new 2019 white Ford Flex. And when I started driving it, it wasn't working right. Because on my old Ford Flex, I could talk on the phone in my Ford Flex, right? It, it would respond to voice commands. It would call people so hands-free. I could call people talking. But my new Ford Flex wasn't doing that. I said to David, it's not working right. He said, Jeff, that's because you've got to pair your phone with your car. <laughs> I said, I don't know how to do that. So he did that for me, and now it works perfectly. You see, built into the creation design of the Ford Flex, and probably your vehicle as well, Built into its creation design is the capacity to pair with your phone so that you can talk to anybody in the world. Your vehicle becomes a communication device. That, that capacity is built into your vehicle, but it, it's dormant until you activate it. The same is true for each one of us. God has put an eternal spirit in you. But that spirit is going to lie dormant until you have a spiritual awakening, until you reach that point on your journey where you're ready for that second birth. And when that happens, your spirit becomes paired with God's spirit. And all of a sudden now, you can communicate with God and commune with God. And you can download power, grace, goodness, peace from otherworldly sources. No longer bound just by flesh and blood. Your eternal spirit is now paired with God's spirit, which means there's now a higher power in your life that can guide, direct, tame those animal instincts so that finally when our spirit is activated and paired with God's spirit, finally we can begin to live into the fullness of life that God intended for us. All of which, of course, brings us to a critical question. Okay, if my eternal spirit, if my soul in me needs to be activated, if I need to have this second birth, what Jesus calls a born again, a reborn experience in my life, how does that work and how do I cooperate in that process? Last week we saw that Jesus said there's a lot of mystery to this process. It's like the, the wind was to the ancient people by which he meant that the, the particular events in your life that will ultimately wake up your spirit are not necessarily the particular events that will wake up that woke up my spirit in my life we're all different in that regard in that sense it's mysterious but there is no mystery about this that according to today's passage of scripture and the whole new testament there are two absolutely critical elements that must be present 
for any genuine spiritual awakening. The first of those two critical elements is identified in today's scripture passage in verses 4 and 5. Take another look. We were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our soul, even when our soul was dormant, even when we were dead and living according to our animal instincts, God made us alive together with Christ. And then Paul sums it up this way, by grace you have been saved. Stop there, because that's the first of two critical elements. By grace you have been saved. Grace is the only effective catalyst for the soul. No soul ever awakens genuinely without receiving, being able to receive, to, to receive a jolt of grace. There's just something about grace that wakes up the soul. And what is grace? There's a pretty good definition of grace right here in the words that lead up to Paul's summation. God has a great love for you even when you're living a dead life, even when you're driving it into the ditch. God's love for you is not a favor that has to be earned or can be earned because like any really good parent, you love your child passionately simply for who they are. They may frustrate you. They may disappoint you. But you love them with an everlasting love that would never give up on them. They don't have to earn your favor. You love them passionately simply for who they are. That's grace. And that's how God loves us. So much that God comes to us in the form of Jesus to, to show us the way. My all-time favorite story for illustrating what grace is goes like this. And, and it's a true story, by the way. One afternoon, the mother of a nine-year-old boy named Kevin gets a call from her son's school teacher in the late afternoon. Mrs. Smith, the school teacher, says, your son did something so unusual in school today. I thought I should call you and let you know immediately. So, of course, mom is thinking, oh, what did my kid do now, right? The teacher goes on to say, no student of mine has ever done anything like this before. She went on to explain. She said, each year I teach our fourth graders a lesson on creative writing. And I always use the same approach. I, I, tell, I start off by telling them the parable of the ant and the grasshopper. It's summertime, and, and the ant works 
diligently to gather in food for the impending winter months, storing up food. But the grasshopper plays around all summer, never gets around to gathering any food. Then comes the winter months, and, and the ant has ample food, but the grasshopper begins to starve. So the grasshopper goes to the ant and, and says, you, you have lots of food. Will, will you please share your food with me? And the teacher said, that's where I stop the story and then I say to my students, okay, your assignment is to write a creative ending to that story. And when I gave that assignment, the teacher told Kevin's mom, your son raised his hand and said, can I draw a picture instead? And I said, no, Kevin, you need to write the ending to the story. And then if you want, you can add a picture at the end. Mrs. Smith, the teacher said, when I give this assignment, almost all the students usually write an ending to the story that goes something like this. The gist is that the, the grasshopper says to the ant, I'm starving, will you please share some of your food? And the ant says to the grasshopper, sure, I'll share my food. It's a good thing to share. And so both had enough to eat throughout the winter and both lived happily ever after. But the teacher said, a few of my students will sometimes write a darker ending to the story where they say, uh, the, the, the ant said to the grasshopper, I'm sorry, there's not enough food for both of us. So I, I can't share with you. The ant lives and the grasshopper dies. So it's a, a sowing and reaping story. But Miss Smith, the teacher said, your son wrote an ending that no student of mine ever has written. Your son ended the story by saying, the ant said to the grasshopper, there's not enough food for both of us. So the ant gave his food to the grasshopper. The grasshopper lived and the ant died. And then your son drew three crosses at the bottom of his paper. That's grace. That is how much God loves us. When we were dead, when we were living by animal instincts, God said, I love you so much, I'm going to come to you in the form of Jesus to show you the way. And God did that even while knowing that we collectively, humanity, guided by our animal instincts, would rebel and kill him. It's as if God said, I love you so much, I will die for you. I love you so much, I'll go to hell and back for you. Doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you that much. It doesn't matter where you are in life. You can be in the ditch. God feels, God loves you that much, Laura. God loves you that much, John. God loves you that much, Dan. 
God loves me that much. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Jeff, you're so kind and nice and gracious. Of course, you're saintly. God loves you. I know, I know. It can be difficult comparing yourself to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> all kidding aside, I'm no saint. We all struggle. But, but I am held in arms of everlasting love. No matter where I go, the grace of God follows me there and showers me with love and woos me and calls to me and seeks to awaken my soul. The person in this room today who is thinking, I am the lowest of the low. I'm the, I'm the one exception that God could not because you don't know, Jeff, what I've done. You have no... You especially are the one that God's heart is passionate about today. It's, the, it's Jesus' parable in Luke 15 about the shepherd and the lost sheep. You know the story, right? A shepherd had 100 sheep. One of them ran away. It would have been easy for the shepherd to say, well, if that sheep doesn't want to be here, let him go. Wants to risk being eaten by a lion in the wild, so be it. You've made your bed, lie in it. You know where we are. You can come back if you want. That's what the shepherd could have said. I've got 99 sheep that want to be here that I need to take care of. But that's not what the shepherd does. The shepherd leaves the 99 in the care of another shepherd and goes off into the wilderness and searches and searches and searches and searches until finally he spies that sheep. You ever had a lost dog or a lost cat and you found them? You know that feeling? That's the feeling that rose up in the heart of Jesus on that day when he found that lost sheep and he rushes over and scoops her up into his arms. He doesn't even make her walk home. He carries her. He puts her over his shoulders, holds her securely by her legs, takes her home, calls a party, and gathers all of his friends and says, celebrate with me. The one that was lost has been found. That is the passion of God for the person in this room today that feels like you're the lowest. You are loved with an unconditional, everlasting love, and God will never stop showering you with that grace until someday that grace breaks through and wakes up your dormant spirit. But, there's something more. A, a woman died and found herself at the pearly gates. St. Peter was there and he said, okay, this is how it works. You tell me the good things that you've done. I'll assign a point total to each. If you get 100 points, you get in. If you don't, you don't. The woman says, well, that's a lot of pressure. Well, come on. Peter said, I don't have all day. So the woman says, okay, I've got one. This is good. She says, you'll like this. She says, I have stayed married to the same man for 50 years. I never cheated on him. Peter said, well, that's, that's good. Very good, he said. That gets three points. Three points, she says. You don't know how difficult he was to live with. Sorry, Peter says. The text here says three points for that. What else you got? 
Okay, she says, you really like this one. I was part of the same church for 30 years. Went every Sunday, gave faithfully, served faithfully. Peter says, that is very good. For that, you get five points. Five points, she says. Three points. Five points. That's eight points. At this rate, she says, the only way I'll ever get into heaven is by the grace of God. <laughs> Bingo, Peter says. Now you're starting to get it. Come on in. By grace, you have been saved. Or as Titus 3, 5 puts it, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us. You don't have to earn God's favor. You already have God's favor. Receive the grace. Essential element number one in any genuine spiritual awakening. Grace. But remember, there are two critical elements. Because Ephesians 2.8 doesn't end there. It goes on to add a second point. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is the other critical element. Grace is what God brings to the table. Faith is what you bring to the table. Grace, unconditional love and favor, is what God offers. Faith is when we accept. Faith is when we dare to believe enough in the grace of God that we reach out and accept it, which is not easy. It takes a lot of faith to genuinely believe that God loves us unconditionally no matter what. Not just that. It takes a lot of faith to believe that God came to us through Jesus to show us the way because so much of what Jesus came to teach us is so counterintuitive. My natural animal instincts tell me that taking and keeping is the way to go. But along comes Jesus and says, give, and then you will receive. Counterintuitive. My natural animal instincts tell me to hate my enemies and seek to destroy them before they can destroy me. But then along comes Jesus saying, love your enemies. Do I not destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? That's so counterintuitive. My animal instincts tell me to play it safe, that self-preservation is the way to go. But along comes Jesus and says, you have to risk losing your life to find it. Counterintuitive. It takes a lot of faith to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It takes a lot of faith to believe that we are loved unconditionally and that our spirit can be awakened. Our second birth can occur not by something we do, but by us simply receiving, placing our faith in, 
embracing that grace that God offers us. In my pastoral counseling over the years, it seems to me that one of the hardest things for people to do is to believe that God loves them unconditionally. Let me close with this. One of the greatest saints ever in the history of our church was named Sherry Russell. Some of you know and remember Sherry. She passed away maybe 15 years ago now from cancer. But 25 or more years ago, like Nicodemus in last week's gospel story, Sherry came to me by night to have a secret conversation about spiritual things. She came to the church, wanted to talk about spiritual things. Except when she walked in, she said, hello, my name is Ricky Russell. You see, Sherry was transgender. And so Sherry had always felt like Sherry in her soul, but had always lived like Ricky to the world. Because the churches of her past had always taught her that God loves Ricky, not Sherry. That God favors Ricky, but hates Sherry. And so, for 50 plus years, she had done everything she could to be Ricky. But you can only live a lie so long before it starts to destroy your soul. And Ricky was suicidal. We talked for about an hour. He wept. I said, Ricky, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to consider doing a spiritual experiment. I just want you to come to our church for four Sundays as Sherry and see if you don't experience the unconditional love of God. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Ricky was desperate. He agreed. For the next four Sundays, Sherry joined us in worship. And after the four weeks, she kept joining us in worship every week because she was experiencing for the first time the unconditional love of God for who she authentically was. It was St. Augustine who said, we are drawn to you, O God, like, like a moth is drawn to a flame. And she was sensing the presence of grace in this place, grace for Sherry. So she kept attending over the months. But that doesn't mean she had no doubts because a lifetime of disinformation doesn't just suddenly go away. It clutches us. Satan tries to hold us as tightly as possible for as long as possible. And so on the one hand, she's hearing and experiencing this incredible grace. On the other hand, she has all this disinformation that says it's impossible. God can't love you that way. You've got... I'll never forget it. One Sunday in the middle of a sermon, I was up here preaching about 1 John 4, 8, how God is love. And as you read down through the passage, it says that, and God's love for us was, was 
demonstrated by coming to us in the form of Jesus and dying for us. I love you so much, I would give my life for you. And I, I, I went on, and, and I was really, I was trying to drive that point home. I was laying it on thick, and I was saying things like, like, God unconditionally loves you, John. God unconditionally loves you, Shannon. God unconditionally loves you, Steve. I was sort of going around the room like that. And nothing like this has ever happened to me before or since in the middle of a sermon. But right there in the middle of the sermon, as I was saying this, as I was trying to drive this home, Sherry, who was sitting right over there about where Laura was, Sherry, all of a sudden, stood up, called out something, and then fainted. If you ever want to bring one of my sermons to a screeching halt, Stand up, shout out something, and faint to the ground. <laughs> a nurse rushed to tend to Sherry. She came to pretty quick. And when she was stabilized, she and several others helped her out to the social hall for further medical evaluation. Once we knew she was stable and okay, the sermon resumed. After service, I pulled aside a couple people who had been sitting close enough to her to hear what she had said when she stood up. And I said, could you make it out? What did she say? So I was up here saying, God loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. His grace will follow you for as long as it takes to hell and back, if that's necessary, to awaken your soul. And in the middle of that, Sherry stood up, and this is what she said. God doesn't love me. And that struggle within her was so visceral, it was physical. So visceral, it took her consciousness away. On the one hand, her awakening soul says, I am showered in grace. And she so wanted to believe that. On the other hand, all of that disinformation was saying, no, it's impossible. You know, you know God can't love. It was the struggle, the tug of war was so great, it took her consciousness away. Thankfully, she kept attending. She hung in there and eventually came to the place where she now had enough faith to embrace grace. And oh my goodness, when her soul awakened, talk about transformation. Talk about coming alive. She's the closest thing I've known in this church history to a, a saint. She was so kind, so generous. She was Jesus in our midst. Amen. Passed away 15 years ago of cancer, but not before experiencing the second birth. Not before her soul was paired with Jesus' spirit. And now, as our passage of Scripture says today, she's in heavenly communion with Jesus Christ and looking down and smiling on us and cheering us on. Sisters and brothers, that is why we're putting these billboards up because there are... <laughs> 
There are so many Sherry's in this world. Transgender or cisgendered. It's not just transgendered people who need to hear this message of God's unconditional grace. There are plenty of cisgendered people who've been told that for various reasons they too are beyond the grace of Jesus Christ. You've got to become someone you're not in order to be encompassed in the grace of Jesus Christ. There are so many Sherry's out there that need to hear an unconditional gospel of grace, the truth of Jesus Christ. So many people that need to know that Jesus loves Loves you so much as you are just as you are that Jesus died for you that's why we're putting these billboards up and we're also putting them up by the way 25 read about it all the locations are listed on page 3 of your Sunday headlines if you participate online you can find the Sunday headlines on the links page and also read the back page page 4 which are talking points. So if somebody asks you, why is your church doing this? You'll, you'll be prepared to give them a, a thoughtful answer. We're doing this because of all the Sherry's out there, but we're also doing this to challenge our fellow Christians to stop trying to limit the grace of God, to stop trying to close the doors of heaven to God's beautiful, diverse creatures. We are all held in arms of everlasting love. And if you are somebody whose soul is just awakening to that, and if you are on a place on your journey where you say, I am ready to receive that grace. I am ready to put my faith in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. If that's where you are this morning, open your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Pair my spirit with your spirit and start downloading your grace and your power and your wisdom in my life and let the transformation process begin. Well, next week we'll pick up with once I experience the second birth, what next and how does that then transformation process unfold? But for day, today it's enough to say, have you received that grace? And if you're ready to receive that grace for the first time in your life, know that at the end of the service today, Pastor Robert and Pastor Tandy will be up here, and if you'd like to pray with someone, they'll be here. Or if it's more comfortable to you, you can go on to our links page and scroll down to the response form, and then scroll down on that form to the place where it says, I'm making a decision to become a follower of Jesus. Or check off the box that says, I have spiritual questions and need to talk to a pastor. And we'll be in touch with you to talk about next steps. If the Spirit is stirring, if grace is breaking through to you this morning, dare to believe. Receive grace. Have faith in the grace of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dare to believe it.